Welcome to the first episode of The Reality Show. I'm your host, Ryan Kopinski. And today we're talking about what we can expect from Apple's upcoming mixed reality headset. Now, before we get into it, let's talk about mixed reality. What is mixed reality? And by the way, this is not going to be a technically accurate definition or an academic definition. This is more so what I think people will understand mixed reality to be once they see the headset. So if you've ever um, heard of mixed reality, good for you, but most people haven't. Uh, we, in mainstream, we really know augmented reality and virtual reality. So augmented reality is essentially your physical world and then you overlay digital content into it. So if you've ever played Pokemon Go or you've tried on uh, glasses from Warby Parker or you've tried on makeup from L'Oreal or you've um, tried out furniture in your space from Ikea, those are all augmented reality. And the reason why it's augmented reality is because you're augmenting your physical space, right? You're just adding or in some ways removing things, but it's really you're not replacing anything. Whereas with virtual reality, you're replacing your whole physical reality with a computer-generated one. So, you know, imagine being in Minecraft or being in Star Wars or actually being in a movie. Like, you're not in your living room any longer. At least you're not seeing your living room. You're fully enclosed into this synthetic or computer-generated world. That's virtual reality. Now, what the hell is mixed reality? Mixed reality is really... Uh, the spectrum between those two. So you can go from um, augmenting your real world to completely replacing it with virtual reality. But instead of them being opposing extremes or just binary options, you can actually slide between them. Um, I think this is what mainstream consumers will come to understand from mixed reality headsets. You can augment your physical space or you can slide it over to the virtual world where Maybe you're immersed with, you know, your friends. They all have they all have their avatars or their emoji avatars, whatever they they, they use as the avatar, um, and you're watching a movie. But it's all virtual. Like you're not in your living room, and they're not essentially not seeing their own living room. You're maybe on the moon watching a movie, um, and that's really what mixed reality, I think, in my mind is, and I think what what mainstream consumers will come to understand from mixed reality. But now that we have that out of the way, uh, and by the way, if this wasn't too clear, let me know, especially if you're watching the podcast on YouTube, you know, leave a comment below if you have questions or if, if you want to actually add on or replace my definition of it. Um, this is really a conversation, you know, for all of us. Um, but that's what I believe mixed reality to be. Now, let's talk about really the more exciting thing about this story, which is really the headset uh, that Apple is, fingers crossed, announcing uh, on June 5th uh, in Cupertino. Um, and by the way, I'm super excited to see it because I've, I've essentially what I think I've been anticipating or really uh, longing for this, this headset from Apple since 2016. I think the first rumors came out in 2016 that they were working on something like this. And to me, I was like immediately sold because I'm, I wouldn't call myself an Apple sheep, but I have mostly Apple products. I really love, uh, their industrial design and their software design. And so to me having finally an option for VR and AR in the form of a headset um, is really exciting. Um, but there's more to this headset than just being a headset from Apple. It's actually a unique device um, that we can talk about right now. Now, just as a disclaimer, I don't have access to privileged information, confidential information. This is just me being excited and researching you know, every article, every patent, every trademark, just being very excited about this headset and being a geek. Um, but 
again, I've just read a lot. I'm really excited about this headset, and I just want to share my thoughts with, thoughts with you. Uh, you know, before it's out, and then for sure, I'm going to do another episode right after the keynote on June 5th. So, you know, if this is something that's interested you, because this podcast is really uh, for people that are really excited about the new upcoming headset, right? That's that's what the focus of this podcast is. So if that's what excites you, you know, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So let's get into the actual meat of, of this discussion, which is uh, the headset. Now, first things first, what do we call it? Um, quite frankly, the, the tech community doesn't really know yet what it's going to be called, but we have hunches based on trademarks that have been filed by not Apple as a company, but companies that have previously been associated with Apple and filing trademarks. So recent filings have um, given the possibility of it being called Reality Pro or I think uh, Reality One and XR Pro, which... I have my favorites. I, I think I like Reality Pro the most because I think it, it makes the most sense for a mixed reality headset to be called Reality Pro. And I'll explain why the Pro matters. Um, reality One sounds, I mean, it, 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 it could be a thing. I just don't like it as much. And XR Pro is too, I think, too geeky and technical. So it's fun story. This is a kind of like a, a side, side story. But XR stands technically speaking, and the academic world would agree with this, XR stands for extended reality. So it's the EX reality, right? So extended reality. And that's really an umbrella term for all these varieties of reality, right? So you have augmented reality, virtual reality, cinematic reality, sometimes even, I think, projection mapping. So it's really an umbrella term for all of this. And that's what XR is. Now, mixed reality is related and often confused i even get confused by it to extended reality but i think what apple is going to do is they're going to make the xr acronym mean mixed reality so you know um, usually companies and especially their marketing departments aren't technically or academically accurate but i don't think that matters i think what matters most is that we get a really cool device that can then have that has the potential to be another iphone moment and back when the first iPhone was announced, you know, I wasn't really paying too much attention to the tech world. But now being in the tech world for so long, um, this is a historic moment. And it can be a catalyst not only for like augmented or virtual reality, but really for the tech space as we know it. Um, because this could be the start of a new way of like a new way of computing. Um, I, I, I do believe that spatial computing is the future of technology and the Internet. And this headset, I think, is the first attempt by a company to give a really high quality experience, like a really high fidelity experience. Because, you know, you've, you've probably heard of the MetaQuest, right? The VR headset, formerly known as Oculus. You've probably heard of that. Um, it's, it's a really great device uh, if you're on a budget, if you want to play VR games, and if you just want to get a taste of the future. But for a lot of tech enthusiasts, what we really seek out is high fidelity, high quality, you know, pro experiences. And that's where the Reality Pro, the pro, you know, postfix comes in. Um, I really love high resolution experiences. I love to watch like, you know, 4K, 8K content. And, um, you know, something like a MetaQuest, first of all, at the price point, it would be impossible, but that it just doesn't provide that experience to me. And I know a lot of people actually want that experience too. And so this headset, 
has the potential to be another iPhone moment, um, which to me <laughs> is to be able to witness that. And I'm actually in Cupertino now. I'm not going to the event because I'm creating content, but um, to be so close to where history is potentially going to be made, because um, whether you like it or not, iPhone changed everything for phones and really computing in general. Um, so if you're, if you're listening to this, um, you know, for the audio listeners, just think about all the phones that we had before the iPhone was announced or really before the iPhone was, was you know, revealed. And then look at all the designs, especially hardware designs of it after. And you'll see that the whole industry essentially copied Apple. And you can think about, okay, is that a bad thing because Apple works so hard on it? I think it's a good thing because if Apple is, if they're good at one specific thing, it's design. Uh, Apple has really amazing industrial, so hardware design, but also software design. And for phones to be copied like that, I think it made everyone better. Um, the user experience was better. The quality, the feel of phones just became better. Now, I still miss a physical keyboard on my phones. Uh, RIP BlackBerry, but I, I used to love my BlackBerry. Um, but there's a clear moment where you can see how the industry changed. And I think we're in exact same moment for mixed reality, which is really AR and VR, right? I think we're in the same moment where design, whether that's hardware or software, is going to change forever because Apple poured in, what, seven to 10 years, you know, thousands of engineers, billions of dollars into this project. And they're really good at that. Um, if anything, Apple makes technology emotional and human. Um, there's a really amazing quote by Steve Jobs, I think, where it said, you know, um, actually, I don't want to butcher it. Let me, um, let me find it. Okay, I found a quote. And it says, um, technology is nothing. What's important is that you have faith in people and that they're basically good and smart. And if you give them tools, they'll do wonderful things with them. And, you know, Apple's... I, I believe that Apple actually does that. Um, they make wonderful tools, so people do wonderful things with them. And I hope that this headset is one of those tools. Um, so I'm very excited about it. Obviously, being in mixed reality, I've been in mixed reality for 10 years now. Um, started with Google Glass and then HoloLens and HTC and, you know, all the way to Apple AR and now, um, you know, Apple Mixed Reality. To me, like this is going to be such a wonderful tool for creators, for developers, for companies to make wonderful things. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, but yeah, so now that we have like the name out of the way, let's talk about some of the key features that, you know, this headset is rumored to have that I think were game changers, not only for AR and VR or mixed reality now, but for actually for technology as we know it, um, because it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to usher us into a new era of computing. Um, now I'm gonna not, I'm gonna try to not be too geeky and go into too much depth, you know, into these these rumored specs. But I do think that if anything, if if there's anything you come away from this episode from, it's uh, why things matter and really maybe a little bit how things work. And you know, so really the why I think is the most important part. So the first thing that I want to talk about, I have my laptop here by the way. So if I'm looking to the side, you know, all the people watching on YouTube. Um, I'm looking at my laptop. So the first thing that really excites me is the rumored displays. Now, if you've ever tried a MetaQuest, the Quest 2, for example, or even the Quest Pro, um, they're pretty good. They're definitely good for the price. So for, for, for what you're getting, I think it's a great solution. 
Um, but the displays aren't very sharp. Reading text is still a little bit difficult. It's not quite as sharp as you know reading text on your iPhone or your Mac that has like a retina screen. You can definitely see it's a little pixelated. You can see pixels. Um, and to me, that's, that's not a great experience, um, especially if you want to use this headset for more than just a game, right? If you want to use it for work or creativity or education, you really need higher fidelity. And this headset is rumored to have really amazing displays. Um, this is not confirmed, but made by Sony, and Sony makes really good displays. Um, and they're called micro OLED displays. And if you've ever watched a TV, go to Best Buy or any tech store um, you know, in your country and watch normal LCD displays and then go over to an OLED display. It's a different display technology where the pixels are individually lit as opposed to the panel being back or edge lit. Um, and you'll see the difference in contrast and color that the OLED just looks almost uh, hyper real, like more than like the colors just are amazing. And the contrast ratio, like really dark, really dark blacks, essentially pure black all the way to really good highlights. Um, the panels look really stunning usually. Um, now, LCDs have caught up with local dimming and having dimming zones, um, you know, and there's uh, mini LED now on iPads that have similar technology like OLED. But look at your iPhone or look at, a, you know, your OLED TV. If you have one or in the store, they're beautiful displays, really amazing. And similar technology is going to be in this headset. So that's going to be a remarkable experience. You know, I mean, I can't wait to try it. Now, another thing too, which is I think probably more important than the display technology is the resolution. So I don't know if you've ever had, or I mean, you can try it. Try to find an old iPhone or an old computer and compare it to a new Mac or a new iPhone. It's remarkable what a high resolution device can do. And this headset is rumored to be essentially around 4K, so 4,000 pixels per eye. So 4,000 by 4,000. That's essentially, it's probably gonna be a square display. Um, so you're going to have 4K per eye or 8K combined resolution for both eyes. Why does this matter? Well, devices like the Quest 2 have about a little bit less than 2K for each eye, so 4K combined. And when you're this close to a display, um, you can essentially at 4K still see the pixels. And there's still issues with like sharpness. Um, text isn't quite as crisp as you would like it to be. Now, that's also dependent on the optics, but it's not as sharp as I think you would like it to be. Whereas 8K, which is double the resolution or four times the amount of pixels, um, that's a huge bump, right? It's at least a 2X uh, a bump in resolution. Now, the third thing to know about the displays is the refresh rate. So how fast can the display update per second? That's usually measured in Hertz. Um, and what we've seen with competing headsets that have been announced prior is that really you don't want to be anywhere near 60 hertz. That's really, really low, and it would probably make people sick from the motion blur. Because if you're moving fast in the headset, you want the display, or if something is moving in the display itself, right, in, this, in a scene, you want it to not have too much blur because it'll make you nauseous. It can even cause, like, uh, motion sickness. So there's, there's a lot of issues with a display that's too slow to refresh what is supposed to be on the display. And so I think the Quest Pro, which was the most recent announcement, um, 
is I think 72 hertz, but can be bumped up to 90 hertz. And I think 90 is really the bare minimum for most scenarios, right? There are scenarios where if nothing is changing on the screen, then it can be one hertz. Who cares? You don't. You can update it one times per second. But if you're playing a game or if you're jumping uh, in, in a scene or if you're doing fitness, you don't want the display to update one times per second. You want it to be at least 90. And my hope is that the displays will update 100, at 120 hertz. So up to 120 times per second. That will make motion super smooth and it will reduce the chance of you feeling sick in it. Um, and uh, the latest iPhone Pros have that. So my guess is that, and my really my wish is that the display will have um, uh, 4K per eye at 120 hertz variable refresh rate. Meaning whatever the display, whatever's in the scene, that will determine how fast the display refreshes, but up to 120 hertz. That would be an absolutely stunning experience in the headset. Um, and it would really set the bar for everyone else uh, to meet. Now, the displays are not the only thing uh, that, that are required for you to see, you know, augmented or virtual scenes. What is also required is the lens, right? Because if a display is like an inch or, you know, maybe like four centimeters or whatever, you know, very small, how can you make it seem like it's all around you? Like the whole world is essentially a virtual world. You need some type of lens to essentially put that onto your eyes. And so all VR um, and really all AR headsets have some type of lens, some type of optical um, system. And the rumor here is, I don't know too much about it for this headset, but the rumor is that Apple is using the latest in optics and that is really a pancake optic lenses. So it's essentially a pancake lens. I don't know the details of, of how it works, but I know it's much thinner than Fresnel lenses, which is really what old VR headsets used to use. So for example, um, the Quest 2, I think uses a traditional Fresnel lens and the Quest Pro made by Meta is using a pancake lens. And you can see the difference in like device bulkiness and thickness and even weight, right? The, the old, uh, VR headsets are like very bulky on the front and they become front heavy. They're not comfortable to use for extended periods. Whereas if you have a very thin optical system, then the whole thing can be much slimmer and probably less weight. And, you know, it looks better and it feels better. And I think comfort for something that you wear on your face is crucial. So combined with the high resolution, um, these optics will, these pancake lenses will have uh, what's called a large sweet spot. So where cheaper lenses, you don't actually, if you start to look to the edges of the lenses, it starts to be blurry. They're not as sharp. The, the rendering is not as sharp, whereas these optics will likely have a very large sweet spot. So even if you look to the side, things will still be sharp. Um, and that helps with a what's referred to as a field of view, right? You, you essentially, how much can you see around you that is in sharp focus? Um, and so Again, I don't want to go into in too much detail, but what you should know is why these things matter is this will allow you to have really sharp visuals um, that really haven't been possible before in what's called a standalone package, right? Because there are VR headsets where you have cables connected to a very powerful computer and they need to be connected at all times. And then you can have like, for example, the Vario XR3, if you, if you don't know what that is, look it up, V-A-R-J-O. Um, they're a company, a Scandinavian company. I, I don't know which country they're from, maybe Finland or Sweden, but um, they make really high-fidelity 
headsets, but they have to be connected to a powerful computer. We don't have those PCs and I don't want to be connected to a computer at all times. So this headset will be what's called standalone and offer high fidelity mixed reality, which is, I think, one of the, I think it's the first time that's actually been done, um, which is really interesting because, uh, as I know, Apple, Apple is usually not the first to do things. Uh, they do things in novel ways, but they're not the first one to do things. Uh, they usually enter the market where they feel like there's huge potential for consumers um, to really buy their products and that they can rapidly scale you know, their market share. Um, but this is Apple entering an emerging market that is unproven and the technology is still very early on. Um, so this is a huge risk by Apple, but if it pans out, it's gonna be huge for them. Okay, so that's essentially the display and the optics. Now, this headset will also have a bunch of cameras. So it's rumored to have anywhere between 12 to 14 camera sensors and depth sensors. Now, why are those needed? Um, you know, if you're thinking about, okay, if I'm wearing a headset that's fully enclosed and there's displays in front of my eyes, uh, how can I see the outside world for augmented reality? Because augmented reality is you're overlaying digital objects in the physical world. And so the, the headset will use what's called pass-through mixed reality or pass-through augmented reality. So what's that? It's essentially cameras and depth sensors working together to feed in the outside world as a video onto the displays in the headset. Whereas it'll feel like you're actually in your living room or you know hotel room or whatever. And on that video feed or the spatial video feed, the headset will also overlay objects like a Pokemon or a, a desk or whatever is, or an avatar, whatever is in your you know, mixed reality world. And so that's how augmented and mixed reality will be achieved. It's not optical see-through, it's actually video pass-through. And so those are the ways to essentially get a mixed reality headset. And for that, you need a lot of cameras because you need to essentially see the full surrounding environment you know, in the headset. And when you turn around, you should, it, it should look like you're not wearing a headset. You should be able to see your physical world. Um, and that requires a lot of cameras. So that's where the 12 to 14, you know, camera sensors and depth sensors come from. Uh, now, again, this is not confirmed, but that's essentially the rumor that that's how many device, that's how many sensors it will have. And I don't think it's going to be all on the, on the outside because this headset is also rumored to have cameras uh, and other sensors, probably IR cameras, to do eye tracking and face tracking. So mouth, you know, emotional expressions, facial expressions, nonverbal cues. Now, why does this matter? Especially the eye tracking. It matters for two main reasons that I can think of. One, say for example, you're having FaceTime, but it's 3D FaceTime. You're, you're seeing someone else in the headset. Like you're, you're calling, you know, a friend, a colleague, your grandma, whoever. Um, and it's spatial. Imagine calling someone and all you can see is their mouth move, but their eyes don't move and there's no emotion. It is super cringe. It's just, you can't do it for too long. It's really awkward. It's also not engaging. So what these sensors will do on the inside of the headset and maybe on the bottom of the headset is to track your complete facial expressions as you're you know, engaging in conversation and showing that on a representation of, of yourself, but in a digital form. So that's what an avatar is. An avatar is essentially you, but in your digital self, right? Like a representation of you and you can customize it like Memoji or whatever. Um, and I think that's what's really needed to have like really engaging and emotional 
conversations, like things that impact you emotionally as a human uh, in a digital world. Otherwise, it's really awkward and not engaging at all, not immersive at all. Um, and so this is, a, I think, a prerequisite for really good conversation in virtual spaces or mixed reality spaces. But there's also a different reason why you want eye tracking, and that's for foveated rendering. I know it's a word that I hadn't heard before like two years ago, and I don't know I can explain it. I can do it justice. I don't think I can do it justice to explain, but what it essentially does, like why it matters, right? Let's just talk about why it matters. Foveated rendering allows the headset to render things sharply where you're looking on the display. So say, for example, I'm looking at this object in my virtual world, like a painting. It can render that painting really sharp and everything around it a little bit blurrier or not as sharp. Why does that matter? For one, when you're rendering 8K video pass through and processing everything around you, that's a lot of work for the headset to do. That's really performance intensive. So if you can optimize things and essentially neglect certain things to just focus on a particular area where the user is focusing, that's huge for optimization. That's great for power consumption, battery consumption, right? Heating. And so foveated rendering is essentially an optimization technique to make things sharp wherever the user is looking, wherever the person who's wearing the headset is looking. Um, and everything else, just like your peripheral vision, it's a little bit blurrier and not as sharp. And the cool thing about eye tracking is the headset will know at all times, multiple times per second, probably 500 times per second or whatever, where your eyes or your gaze are focused and can essentially predict where you're going to look and make sure that is super crisp, crispy AF. Um, and I think that's huge for not only for performance, but also for the user experience. And so combined with really sharp displays and you know good optics and all these sensors, it, it becomes a little bit obvious how this experience can become really, really engaging and immersive because it's high fidelity, it's optimized. It just, I, I'm freaking stoked for this device uh, if you haven't noticed it already. Let's now talk about uh, what is usually a little bit neglected, especially uh, people who create uh, for mixed reality, and that's audio. So most creators actually know this, right? If you're a YouTuber, especially a video creator, the rule is essentially, you know, someone can watch a, a video with subpar quality, but no one can enjoy a video or really an audio experience with bad audio. Our brains just can't process it. And so good audio in, in the video world, we say good audio is worth 55% of the experience. And I think a similar rule will apply for mixed reality experiences where to get from good or maybe mediocre to great, you have to have great audio, but it's not just stereo, right? If you've ever listened to spatial audio music, you know, on Apple music or, you know, played a game that had really amazing you know, like really amazing spatial audio. It makes it so much better. The immersion, just the presence, you feel like you're there. The emotion is so much stronger with good audio. Like you'll get like goosebumps if the audio is like really good. Whereas the visuals can be really high quality, but it, you know, it doesn't have quite the same effect. And so the Apple headset will support, I'm almost certain about that, 
spatial audio. Now, how it will do that, that's a little bit debatable. Um, one idea is that it'll have multiple headset bands. So the bands will be replaceable, similar to an Apple Watch, and some of them may have speakers. But those speakers will almost certainly not be able to match something like AirPods Pro 2, right? That have, that essentially are in your ear, are sensing your, your ear shape and are adjusting and equalizing the audio, you know, multiple times per second. And so my guess is that the Apple headset will be ideal with spatial audio, but will rely on things like an, you know, Apple AirPods, maybe the AirPods Max, um, to, to provide true spatial audio. And I can guarantee you, It'll be a, an amazing experience once you have the visuals, really high fidelity visuals, and really amazing spatial audio. That will be a mind blowing experience the first time you experience that, 100% guaranteed. Um, so very excited about that. What about the processing? So when you're processing, you know, 8K footage and all those cameras all at the same time, um, that requires a stupid amount of processing power. And this, I think, where Apple has essentially innovated in public. They have shown us what they're capable of and what will be in the headset without really telling us explicitly. So if you're, you know, if you're an Apple fan, you've probably heard of Apple Silicon, you know, the M1 chips, the M2 chips. It really stunned everyone when they were first announced, especially the M1. Um, the amount of performance you get for very low power consumption is essentially un rivaled right now compared to things like Intel or AMD or Qualcomm. They're trying to catch up, but Apple has leapfrogged the whole industry with being able to provide really incredible performance and low power consumption, and the chips actually run pretty cool. Um, they're not you know, overheating like the usual counterparts of like an Intel AMD when you're playing a game or whatever. They're really... I mean, it, it's incredible what they've done with Apple Silicon. And I'm sure that will be also be in the headset. And this will be able to power, you know, 8K displays and 14 cameras. And likely, you know, you won't hear a thing because it'll be very quiet fans if they even have fans. It won't be too hot. I'm sure it'll get hot, but not too hot. Um, and so Apple Silicon will make all of this, you know, high fidelity mixed reality. That's really what I want to refer it as, hi-fi mixed reality. Apple Silicon will make it possible. And I think that's where other companies will struggle to catch up or meet um, the performance of Apple's headset. Um, it's because Apple is truly, you know, ahead in processing, in industrial design, in software design, and UX it's going to be hard to uh, to match you know, the performance of this headset. Now, let's try to wrap things up a little bit because I think we've been going on for a while and this is really just the first, this is really the first episode. This is a pilot of you know, the reality show. Um, it's the first episode, so I, want, I don't want to keep it too long. Um, next thing, you know, if you have a headset, how the hell does it stay on your head? It's going to use some type of headband. Um, I'm willing to bet it's something like an Apple Watch. Let me grab my Apple. Yeah, so the Apple Watch, you know, it has these removable bands that you can swap out. So you can have, you know, a watch band for, you know, whenever you're like very active, you can have a watch band for hiking, swimming, whatever. Obviously, you don't swim with the headset. But my guess is that there will be a head, you know, there will be different headbands, ones that are really elegant and pretty, but not very comfortable. And ones that are really comfortable or, 
maybe a headband that you can use for fitness where you know it's like sweat resistant and it's much more you know tight on your head so it doesn't move the headset around you know you can swap them uh, there'll be different styles uh, and some of them might even have like speakers or other technology embedded in them uh, but i don't know too much about that my hope is that there's support for a top strap because a lot of these headsets that just have a strap around the head but not on top of it the headset starts to weigh down and it starts to sag and it's not the most comfortable if you want to spend two hours you know in mixed reality especially if the experiences are really engaging it gets really heavy um, and my guess is or my wish i hope apple does this is that there's multiple options including one that has some type of top support um, and at least an option that's super comfortable that you can spend you know long hours in um, now for the most controversial thing i think of the of the headset this is where i think people will either like it or either love it or absolutely hate it and that's the battery um, it's rumored to have an external battery and this will magnetically connect to the apple headset now that sounds really clunky and weird and unlike apple but my guess is that's that's probably the most brilliant thing they've they could do if this is true like again this is all speculation but if this is true i am all for it and here's why it's gonna look weird you are gonna look geeky and it's gonna be awkward at times where you have like you know you essentially have a, a wire going down to your waist or in your pocket or on the you know the chair you're sitting mounted to you know a battery pack that seems odd but there's a reason why i think it's brilliant actually two one batteries are heavy they're really heavy and they can be bulky and if you don't have a lot of space then you don't have a lot of battery life so by removing the battery from the headset enclosure and shifting it down to your waist you are reducing a lot of weight and also bulk on the front of your face that's huge for comfort that's an amazing use experience if your headset is like super light you almost forget it's there that will allow people to stay in mixed reality for much longer which means there's more demand for experiences and content which means there's more creators there's higher quality content higher quality experiences that is a win for users and for creators and the second part is heat batteries tend to get hot especially as they're charging or discharging so if you're for example if you've ever edited a video or if you've ever charged your iphone you know that they get tend to get hot or if you're recording video for a long time on your iphone it'll get a little toasty that's fine if it's in your hand but if it's on your face your face will start to sweat it'll start to feel hot it's not comfortable so again if this is true and apple uses an external battery it's gonna look weird and it's gonna feel weird initially but you will never ever want to go back to a headset that has a hot battery and a heavy battery on the front of your face um, until we get to battery technology that's super you know compact and has high energy content and whatever like whatever future technology batteries can have um, i don't see that happening too soon so this seems like a compromise that got many people at apple annoyed that will probably annoy many of its consumers but is the most brilliant thing they can do to make comfort and user experience a priority 
so that people can spend hours in this headset. I actually am for it. Um, because as a creator, as you know, a, a maker, it's always a compromise. Everything's a compromise. That's, I think, going to be the most controversial thing. Um, of course, the price is going to be high and people are going to complain about that. But, you know, I don't I, I focus on product. I focus on building for it. And so the price is not really a focus to me. Um, but I think the battery is going to be the point of of contention. There's going to be a lot of videos and podcasts talking about the battery solution if it is external. Um, and then finally, this is more for a subset of its users, but I think it really matters. Um, I wear prescription glasses. And what is rumored is that Apple, that the device is so thin and so compact that you can't really wear glasses inside of it. You would damage the lenses or you would damage the sensors. And so for those that wear prescription lenses, um, Apple will have magnetic inserts with your prescription. So you'll likely be able to order, I think, from Apple or a vendor that they partner with um, these I think things that look like glasses, but without the, you know, the, without the, the sides of it um, that are magnetic that can just slot into uh, the Apple headset uh, and it would have your prescription uh, in the headset. I prefer that because my glasses tend to be pretty big um, and are a little bit heavy too. And so if you're done wearing glasses and a headset, it just gets clunky, awkward. You can scratch the optics. Um, and you don't want to do that because then you'll always see the scratch. So really this solution, um, if all of this is true, if all of this speculation is really true, I think Apple has prioritized comfort, user experience, um, you know, so that you can wear the headset if you choose to for as long as possible. Obviously, you might have to charge the battery or whatever. You have to swap it. I don't know if that's possible, but comfort is going to be key to making this a success and when you pair comfort with the high fidelity of the display you know optics and the camera system i think we're in for another iphone moment i think moving forward almost every single headset will try to imitate probably fail but try to imitate this new apple mixed reality headset and again like i said with my comparison with phones Everyone wins, especially consumers, when people try to imitate the best, when they try to imitate comfort and user experience. I think everyone will win. Um, and to me, I am incredibly excited about the future of mixed reality. Obviously, I've been in it for 10 years, so this is a, a historic moment. Um, if you're also excited about mixed reality, if you're excited about this headset, subscribe on YouTube, um, on this channel, uh, subscribe or follow you know anywhere you listen to your podcasts if you made it all the way to the end thank you for listening thank you for watching and i'll see you in the next episode where i'm going to be reacting and giving my initial thoughts on the apple headset once it's released thank you so much bye